At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Thanks for tuning into our series, The Follower's Trail Guide, Navigating the Path of Jesus, where we're asking the question, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? As we walk through Jesus' farewell discourse to His followers in the book of John, we'll learn to follow in the steps of Christ as He marks out the way of discipleship for us. seats. Wow, and look at this. Oh my goodness. Okay. I'll just leave that here. Um, we can set those up. <laughs> what are you I'm not saying anything. Can I jump into my sermon, please? Oh, oh okay. Sorry, that fell off. Um, <laughs> all right. I want to do something real quick for you guys. I want to play a part of the song and I want to talk about for just a second. So go ahead and play that song. this very stage, heard it at, at a concert, or maybe you have it where you just listen uh, on your phone or Spotify or Apple Music, uh, but that's a song, Holy Spirit, and, and really with the invitation to say, Holy Spirit, you are, you are welcome here. We invite you here. And so I have the privilege today to share uh, this message on the Holy Spirit. 
And for some reason, that song just kept coming to mind when thinking through uh, how we perceive and how we understand the Holy Spirit. And, and when I think about God the Father and God the Son and the Holy Spirit, depending where you come from, there's different emphasis on the Holy Spirit. Even depending on which denomination you come from. Some of us, we might be from more, uh, I guess you can say, charismatic or Pentecostal, where there's a lot more emphasis on the Holy Spirit. And some of us, we might have never heard a single message on the Holy Spirit. And regardless, I think it's easy for us to have a misunderstanding of the work of the Holy Spirit and biblically who the Holy Spirit is. And so as we sing these songs and we invite the, the Holy Spirit to be here, I want to answer some of these questions. And some of us, uh, we might have been able to delve into this time and time again. And some of us, we might be like, oh, isn't that just the, the one, you know, the third part of, you know, God, but, but then there's this Trinity thing. And, and you might just have never been able to truly be able to, to understand really the scope and the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and so I want to answer some of these questions today. Because Jesus, he's been instructing his disciples and where we've been studying in John 13 through 16. He's been instructing them about the Holy Spirit. And so in this passage, he's speaking very straightforward about the Holy Spirit. Maybe the most straightforward he has ever been on the Holy Spirit. And he even goes in to, to say that, that it is good news that he's going away. It's actually great that he's going away. And, and the reason why is because the Holy Spirit will be, be given to all who believe. And, and so let's jump into scripture right quick. And we're going to be in John 16. And I'm going to put it up on here for you guys to see in verse 4b through 7. It says, I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I'm going to be with him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is for your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So here, Jesus reminds his disciples, man, there's going to be challenges. There's going to be resistance. I'm going to be leaving. But hey, it's to your advantage. And so I try to put myself in their shoes. And, and could you imagine... Hearing from your leader, hey, you're going to face hostility. People are not going to like you. Some of you are going to be thrown in prison. Some of you are going to be persecuted. And, and hey, some of you are probably going to die. Oh, and, and I'm going to go away. And, and again, you got to remember Jesus, he has these disciples 
and probably only one of them is 18 years of age or older. So we're dealing with maybe middle school, high school men. I joke about it all the time. Jesus was a youth pastor. And so here he is with these guys, with these disciples. And he's saying, you're going to face this. And I'm not going to be there. But hey, it's to your advantage. It's actually better that I'm going. And so Jesus actually turns this as something that's positive. And for them, it's something of of deep encouragement. Hey, guys, this is a good thing. It's to your advantage. It's to your benefit. His reasoning is if he doesn't go, the Holy Spirit won't come. But if he does go, then he will be sent to them. So in this text, you have this word advantage. And that word in Greek is sympharo. And the idea of simpharo, or simpharo, is that in order to have an advantage, there has to be something, some type of benefit, some type of advancement that that gives you an edge, that gives you some profit. It's a condition of favorable or superior position. So it's good, it's amazing that Jesus is there with them. No one can complain about that. I'm not saying it's, it's not of great value because it is of the greatest value. But the thing about Jesus in that moment, in the flesh, is Jesus can be in that moment. But if he leaves, the Holy Spirit is to everyone. To all who believe, all who confess, all who repent and put their trust into Christ. And so we can all probably identify with the disciples here. I mean, I've heard this numerous times, but I really want us to think about it. And, and I, I definitely have thought this countless times. Man, things would just be easier if Jesus was right here. Like, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be so much easier when I, when I need advice, when I need guidance of any sort, when I'm struggling when I'm doubting, when I'm angry, when I'm depressed or insecure, man, I just wish Jesus, I could just like be like, yo, Jesus, can we just like meet up at Starbucks and have like a coffee time together? Or Tim Hortons or Dunkin' Donuts, you know, whichever one. And and I just think about that, man, it'd be so much better if I could just look at Jesus directly in the eyes and be like, I'm a mess. I need you. I don't know what to do here. Can, can you help me? And, and to imagine that and even to know one day we are going to sit across or stand across, be with Jesus. It, it just, it warms my heart. It, it gives me confidence. It helps me to know, hey, all this stuff, it's, it's going to be done one day. All these These issues that become mountains to us that are really just little anthills. We won't have to deal with it anymore. Because we're going to be with our Savior. And so if we could be with him and be be face to face with him and, and have this conversation. And if we could have it every day, 
And if we could have it for three and a half years. And then he said, hey, I'm out. That would be kind of difficult. We have no idea how hard it was for the disciples to hear this. He had been probably not just their friend, not just their mentor, not just their savior, but maybe some of their father figure. He had spent three and a half years with them, probably almost every single day. Right? Do your math. At Bible college, we don't have to take math, okay? You go to Christian college, you know, I didn't take a single math class. I took science, but you do the math, and you got 365 days, and then times three, and then you have half of a year, right? So we're talking over how many days? We're my math people. Oh, man, Chesterfield. At Royal Oak, they would have got this. <laughs> now I'm just messing. <laughs> I'm just messing. The whole point is this. This would have been well over a thousand days, almost every time, every moment, being with Jesus. They were probably very codependent on him. And he says, I'm going away. But don't worry. It's going to be to your advantage. I could imagine that wigging them out. I could imagine that scaring them. I could imagine that making them very sad, confused, maybe some of them angry. And, and so in this moment, we need to answer the question, why was the Holy Spirit sent? Why was the Holy Spirit sent? And I believe that there are three reasons why the Spirit was sent. We're going to dig through those. The first one is the Spirit was sent to help believers. The Holy Spirit was sent to help those who are followers of Christ. Look at John 16, 7. This is what it says. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage. Again, that big word. It's to help you have superior advantage or superior opportunity, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Who is you? Believers. Not some, not partial. In the Old Testament, we see that the Holy Spirit was there. But it wasn't a guarantee with the individual who believed in God, that they would have the Holy Spirit with them. You see, some people said the Spirit of God rested upon them. And, and, and so we see that, but it's not a every single person. So Jesus, he roots this idea, hey, it's gonna, the Spirit's going to go to everyone through the being an advantage that he goes away. And, and that word, that he, that he goes away, and an advantage, and the word for uh, a Holy Spirit is this word paracletus. It's a very hard word to translate. Because I don't think we have words that best describe in our English language the depth of the Holy Spirit and who the Holy Spirit is. So we say words like advocate or, or counselor. Or helper. 
and we try to use these words that best show who the Holy Spirit is. But, but the thing is, when we look at Jesus' teaching and we look at the Bible, we have to remember the Spirit is a person. It's its own entity. The Spirit teaches. The Spirit uh, brings. The Spirit bears witness. These actions not only reveal what the Spirit does, but also who the Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is a person. Further, the Spirit is the third person of the Godhead. What, what we know as the Trinity. He has all essences and attributes of God and, and of Jesus. But he's not the Father or the Son. So on one hand, Jesus can say that when the Spirit is with you and in you, that he, Jesus, and the Father will make his home in us. But the Spirit is one with the Father and Son, but also unique. See how that can be confusing? <laughs> and, and so that word, as, as some of us have heard, the word Trinity, and, and that is the groundwork to, to what we understand as God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. Uh, for we worship one God in Trinity and the Trinity in unity, neither blending their persons, persons nor dividing their essence. And the joy for us is if we have given our life to Christ and we've repented and, and we believe, we have the Holy Spirit. The very essence of God and Christ all residing in us. And that's something that I, I know, depending on how you've been raised or denomination, sometimes I see it's so easy to quench the Spirit. It's so easy to forget that, that He has, has given us guidance and wisdom and, and discernment. And, and as we continue to study the Word, even to bring reminders back to us of what the Word has said. You know, uh, I think about advocate and, and helper and, and these words that translate for this, this Greek word parakletos. And, and when I think about advocate, actually the image I have is uh, one of our caseworkers when we were foster parents. So we decided not to go through uh, DCS, through the state. We actually went through a foster and adoption agency. And it was called NIAP. And NIAP, they would actually give us someone who was our advocate. And so this individual would advocate for us and advocate for uh, our foster child. And they would actually be a liaison with the court system, with our DCS worker. And really what it came down to was, you know, our DCS workers, they were, they were so busy. They had all these cases, 50, 60 cases. There's no way they could balance all the needs of their cases. So a lot of people would go through these agencies and they would be an additional support. They didn't work for the state. They worked independently. And so we went through this Christian um, adoption and fostering agency and, and so we would work with them, and when things were not pushing along like we would like, or, or when there were things that were just falling to the wayside, or things we didn't agree with, they were our advocate. They were the peace, people that we would go to. And so we'd have these court dates, and we'd have to go to three, four court dates, and Amanda went to some, and, and, and we couldn't speak up during those times. 
but our advocate could. Our caseworker could. And, and so they would go to court with us. They would speak up to the judge for us. They would, ha- they would be able to, to make things happen in a way that, that we couldn't do. They had all the legal training of a social worker, the degrees, you name it, the experience. And they were able to be those helpers with the purpose of of furthering along this child in the foster care system and and hopefully reconcile them with their families or age out and be a a stable and productive citizen. And, And so when I think of that illustration, it won't give it perfect justice, but that the Holy Spirit is almost like our representative here to bring aid and assistance to the followers of Christ. The Spirit then is is Jesus' representative to us. He undertakes Christ's role, and in doing so, ministers to the ministry of Christ to each of his followers. So you think about that, and we'll dig into that a little more in just a moment, but really the ministry of the Holy Spirit spotlights the sun. The ministry and the focus of the Holy Spirit is to shine a light on Jesus. To give glory to Christ. And so when when Jesus is present on earth in his physical form, again, he can only minister to those he's physically present with. However, upon his death and upon his resurrection and ascension and sending the Spirit, he can now be spiritually present with all. So when he says, hey, this is to your advantage, he means it. So in explaining the why he was sent, another thing that we see why the Holy Spirit was sent was the Spirit was sent To convict the world. Let's turn to verses 8 through 11 of chapter 16. And this is what it says. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. So we see in verses 8 through 11 that he is called and he is sent to bring conviction to the world. And he mentions three separate areas. He highlights sin, righteousness, and judgment. And so this can be a little confusing at times because, you know, righteousness, we're called to be righteous, and then judgment, and, and, and we see sin and all this stuff, right? And, and, and so when he highlights his ministry of conviction in these areas, it, it's interesting because sin, sin is wrongdoing, right? We have a standard, we have what it says in the word, and, and guidelines, we've heard maps and GPS and how to live and all that, but really when we look at the word, it kind of gives us what God's desire is for our life, right? It was for freedom that Christ set us free, right? We are more than conquerors because of what Christ has done for us. But if we are in Christ, we still will sin. We still will struggle. And so I look around this room, and some of you I know have been a part of this church for many years, and some of you have been a part of a 
a Christian community for many years, been Christians for many years, and we have some people who are maybe just here and like, Mama forced me to be here. I don't know what's going on. Go blue. But, you know, you're just here, right? You're a warm body. Hopefully you're here mentally, physically as well. And then we have some, you are on fire for God. You're new in your faith, and, and you just, you can't get enough of, of the Word of God, enough of church, and enough of what it means to follow Him. Some of us, we've probably hit a rut, and we've, we just are kind of in this season, we're trying to figure things out, or maybe we're walking through some spiritual warfare. The, the whole point is this. We're human. And whether you're on a mountaintop, or you're just physically in a seat right now, if you're in Christ, you will sin. You, you just will. Our goal is not to, but we will. And one way that, that we know we are in Christ is we feel conviction. Is that just me? Am I the only one who feels like when I do something and it immediately I'm like, oh, man. Is that just me? You know, I want to take off my shoe and insert in mouth sometimes, right? And maybe my wife actually does do that physically. Just like, just go. Because we make mistakes. And I'm, I don't want to water it down. I don't want to say, oh, it's except we all say. But the thing is, we are human beings, and human beings make human mistakes. And if we're in Christ, the Holy Spirit will convict us. And we'll know, man, I've, I've, I've not done right. It's a good thing. Because the Lord disciplines whom he loves. If we were numb or we didn't feel anything, then I would say we're probably in a, a scarier spot. Because in that moment, then we, we don't even feel the conviction because maybe we have allowed sin to overcome us so deeply that we're just, we're almost spiritually dead. And, and so the Holy Spirit was sent to convict. Another thing it was, it was called to do, he was called to do, is concerning righteousness. The Spirit comes to convict the world of false righteousness. It's kind of important there. Have you guys ever heard about uh, this phrase, get off your high horse? Well, historian Winston did some Wikipedia study this week. That comes back to the early 1300s. And it was when these generals, they would look for the largest horse so they could be bigger than everyone else. They looked for the most powerful most prestigious breeds so they could tower over their peasants that walk among them. And so this phrase started to grow in time and then it became more commonly accepted. Hey, get off your high horse. Because they thought they were so much better because the horse that they rode. Now, I don't know about us, but that might be, you know, in our day, you know, education, maybe trucks. Okay, who, who here's got a nice big truck? We ain't got a big truck here. Get off your high horse. You don't got horsepower. My Fusion has horsepower. <laughs> Even though it has a missing hubcap, okay? But the thing is this. Some of us, we use these things to tower, to feel better, right? I went to Bible college. I've been at 
four churches, had three internships, grew up in a Christian home, and I would love to say that the church is exempt from people that get on their high horses. Oh, I heard it. Can we just let out a big sigh? Oh. Luckily, no one in this room is that way. Right? The, the thing is this. We know in the word that knowledge can create an arrogance to us. And unfortunately, I've been there. I've been that person. I've been the person that's, I know this word, I know this phrase. I've been there. I know that feeling from the, from the bad side of it. But I've also been the one who's experienced it. And so Jesus, we see in his ministry that he confronted the most educated, the people who knew this best, the people who were in the synagogues with their false righteousness. And, and unfortunately, even in Bible college or other churches, internships, whether myself or others, Sometimes we, we can get on our high horse. We could forget to be a living gospel. And so the Holy Spirit doesn't just convict the world of sin. It also convicts those who have this false sense of righteousness and, and arrogance. And, and so we need to check ourselves at times. And we need to be self-aware. No matter where we stand on the spectrum of knowledge and faith, it's easy for us to become self-righteous. Second, or the third part of this is that the Spirit convicts the world with judgment. So it comes to judge, and, and this is another thing that Jesus' ministry exposed, and it was the ruler of this world. I think it's interesting because it says concerning judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. False beliefs, false ministries, false religions, they create this moral standard of this is true judgment and he attaches it to the ruler of this world. But he's been judged because he's not truth. God is truth. No matter what government debate's going on or what denomination, God is truth. And our job is to gain as much truth from this as possible and let it shape us. Not us shape it. And so he comes to judge the, the ruler of this world with his false judgment, his false beliefs. And so he comes to convict the world. The, the last thing that we see that the Spirit does is the Spirit was sent to guide the church. To guide Christ's bride. Look at verse 12 through 15 of, of chapter 16. This is what it says. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, 
for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So now Jesus, he turns his attention to his disciples and acknowledges that there's a lot he wants to say. That's interesting to me. <laughs> I, I do this way too often. I did a little this morning with the behind the scenes stuff. Like, hey, uh, you know, there's not enough time. Hey, can we do this? Hey, could we do, do that? You know? And, and, and sometimes we, we just, man, there's so much I want to say. I think about Jesus and his humanity, <laughs> that he is God, but he's with his friends, but he's God. <laughs> I got so much to say. I, I got so much I want to tell you. I'm sure in heaven right now, he's told them what he's wanted to tell them, but in this, he tells them what will occur when the Spirit comes. And the Spirit will, will guide them in all truth. The Spirit is going to be a guide. And this is not some new truth, but the truth of God's Word that Jesus has already been stating. He's going to guide you. He's going to remind you of what's been said. He's also going to glorify Christ. We've already said the ministry of the Holy Spirit spotlights the Son. So he's going to glorify Christ over and over and over. That's his mission, to, to take a spotlight and to put it on Christ. I love how Dr. Scott Swain says it. He says, the procession of the Spirit from the Son reminds us that the Spirit does not exist or act independently of the Son. But the Spirit exists and acts from the Word and for the Word. We see even in, in the Spirit's ministry to the church that his role is to spotlight Jesus. You know, I was outside, it was cold this morning, so I was like, oh, defrost on stage, you know? I've done a couple things in ministry. I've had some, some cool opportunities. One of the things that I had to do is I actually had a role where I had to spotlight someone. My whole purpose was emceeing an event, and I was just the hype guy, right? I was like, let's go, everyone get your hands up. And it was for this guy by the name of John Christ. Has anyone heard of the Christian comedian John Christ? So I got to work with John Christ at an event, him and I, and all I was was the guy who got everyone fired up for John Christ. So joking or just a quick message and worship, and then I was pointing the lights to him, right? It was, it was good, and it was entertaining. It was, you know, I, that's maybe my claim to fame that I got to hang out with John Christ. But the thing is, when I, when I think about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is there to highlight the Son. The Holy Spirit is there to glorify Christ. The Holy Spirit is there to put the spotlight on Him and say, hey, look at Him. He died for you. He saved you. And now you can have an eternity because of that. Even though the Spirit is equally in, as important in the Godhead, His role as we see is to be with us, to convict the wor world, but ultimately to highlight Christ. And while we, we see the Spirit at times, 
And, and, and maybe in our, in our worlds of, of church, we, we kind of forget. But the Spirit is equally as important. The Spirit is God and the God is Spirit. The God is Son and the Son is God. You know, I think about this week, and it's, it's been a wild week, ups and downs. And I think about as the, as the worship team comes up, one thing that I think about is, you know, the Spirit practically for us. Maybe it's a whisper in your conscience. Maybe it's a moment when you're reading your Bible and God pauses you in that spot. Have you ever had that? You're reading, you're just reading, and then you're like, I have to stop. <laughs> I got to chew on this. Maybe it's that moment you see someone and you're like, I need to share the gospel. I remember a moment and uh, I was actually uh, at my house in Chelsea, Michigan. I had recently given my life to Christ. And I remember reading, I'm like, I just want to evangelize the world. I want to tell everyone about Jesus. So I see a, a mail truck coming down. <laughs> He's going to hear Jesus. So I get my Bible and I march out the front door. I kick it open. And I start flying to him. Before Amazon, people, <laughs> there was a day, <laughs> and I went up to him and I'm like, "Do you know Jesus?" He's like, uh, "Yeah, yeah, I do." And I'm like, "Jesus loves you." <laughs> and I remember looking at him, and he was just like, "What is happening?" And I think back about that moment. Was it an emotional moment? Was it a move of the Holy Spirit? Was it the white castle I had earlier? I don't know. <laughs> but what I do know is God has given us his spirit. It resides in us. It's there. He wants to speak to you. He wants to enlighten your heart. He wants to be there for you in the dark times. He wants to make you do some wild things that seem irrational in the moment with mailman. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit lives in you. Don't quench that spirit. Allow the spirit to marinate in your soul that you can be a light for the sun as well. Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.